Good morning, church. How are we feeling today? Hey, I just want to say welcome. It is such a pleasure to be in church with you all today. And those of you who have not had the chance to meet, my name is Kelly. I am the associate youth pastor here at our campus. And today, Pastor Drake and I, the head youth pastor, we have an opportunity to tag team this message. So I'll be giving the first half of the message and then he'll come up and finish us off. And so with this, we just want to take the time to thank Pastor Rob and Pastor Anthony for believing in us and giving us this opportunity. They truly believe in their leaders and it just shows in everything they do. So thank you for this opportunity. We're in our series called Kingdom Culture and this series has been incredible so far. The whole point of this has been how we move from being a believer to a disciple. And we have been using the book by Dennis Rouse called 10 Qualities That Move You From a Believer to a Disciple. So this message today is all about the heart of a servant. A disciple has the heart of a servant. And when I was preparing for this message, I thought, I wanna look up what the definition of a servant is. And so when I looked that up, I found this definition. A servant is a person who performs duties for others or in the home of a master. The thing that stuck out to me here was in the home of a master. My question for you today is who is the master of your life? Because in our lives, if we are the master of our own lives, then we don't serve Christ. And oftentimes, if we choose to serve ourselves, we end up serving other people instead of our creator. Galatians 1.10 says, For I, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. The thing is, we can't serve the reputation and praise of man and be a servant of Christ. And in my walk with Jesus, the thing I've seen the most is what holds us back from taking that step to a disciple is caring what people think. We're more concerned about what they think of us than serving our savior. And so we can believe in Jesus and still be a slave to other people. But in order to be a disciple, we must serve Jesus Christ and him alone. So I don't know about you, but I'm really bad at being the own master of my life. I've often gotten the nickname Crash because everything I do is 100 miles per hour. In the morning when I wake up, if I choose to hold on to my day, it normally ends up with a broken coffee cup, a spill on my shirt, and I walk out of the house flustered. But when I take the time and slow down and surrender my day to Jesus and serve him, I end up being fulfilled and satisfied. And so to become a disciple who has a servant heart, there's a few things we have to do. The first thing we have to do is we have to die to ourselves and we have to pick up our cross every single day and serve. In Luke 23, we see a man do exactly this. He picks up his cross and he serves. And to give context to this verse, Jesus has just been beaten and whipped and he is headed to die on the cross. And while he's carrying the cross, the Roman soldier sees a man because Jesus is struggling. And so we jump to Luke 23, verse 26. And it says, as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene who was coming from the country and laid him on the cross to carry it behind Jesus. Here's the thing. Simon was on his way to do his, duty, his religious duties for the Passover. When the, when the opportunity to serve confronted him, it was inconvenient. And in that moment, he didn't have time. He was headed to do his work, but he stopped and he had the moment. He had a moment right there to serve his savior. And so with this, the funny thing about it is that he was going to do his religious duties, but that day he ended up doing the ultimate duty. And that was carrying the cross with his savior. 
And so with this, I just have a question for you guys. Have you ever had an opportunity to serve, but you've been too busy, you don't have time, or the work looks too hard? Because here's the deal. Would you have realized in that moment the honor in carrying your Savior's cross as he carried your sin onto it? Because I don't know if I would have had that. I would have thought, oh, I gotta go, I gotta keep going. But Simon stopped and he was able to serve his king. Have you and are you willing to set aside everything and carry the cross that your savior hung on? When you carry the cross of Jesus, you will move into the most intense intimacy with him. And there is nothing more I want in my life than to be in an intimate relationship with my savior. Dennis Rouse in his book says, each opportunity to serve is a small death of our comfort and plans, but it leads to deeper understanding, more affection, stronger relationships, the abundant life. I want to live the abundant life. I want to step out of my comfort zone to serve Jesus because I know that my intimacy with him will grow. And that's all I want. The other thing we have to do when we wanna become a disciple with a servant heart is we have to value others more than ourselves. In Philippians verse two, three through four, it says, do nothing from selfish, selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to of, of your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have you ever served to receive recognition or to look good in the eyes of others? Because Jesus didn't serve out of selfish ambition. He carried a cross on his back and he hung there humiliated, naked for our sin. And in that moment, he wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about every single one of you in this room and spending eternity with you. In order to serve others, we have to have a heart of humility. We have to put others before ourselves. And when you choose to serve your church, your family and your community, you're truly choosing to serve Jesus. I've seen this in my own life. This past October, I married my husband, Alan, who is an incredible servant of the Lord. I truly, he challenges me to be a servant. He is constantly looking to others. He is constantly wanting to serve people. And so when we were engaged, he's from the country and I'm from here. And so when we started dating, we really had a lot to navigate, but it was incredible because once we were, the closer we got, and then once we were engaged, we realized, wow, we can do this. We both love Jesus. Let's do this. But we had to lay down a lot of our desires to serve one another. I remember a specific moment. We, he asked me, hey, do you want to go out in the fields and go on the tractor with me and see what farming's like? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So we get, we get on the tractor. We're, we're driving along and it really was cool. The first hour goes by and I look at him and I said, so uh, how much longer do we got here? And he says, oh, about six hours. And I said, what, wait, what? Do you know what we could be doing? And in my mind in that moment, I had a choice. I could have said, we can be doing A, B, C. I have a to-do list. I have to be, I'm busy. Let's go, let's get out of here. But instead, I sat in that tractor with my husband and I served him and we grew in intimacy. And the thing is, when we choose to serve the people in our lives, we grow in deeper intimacy with them. And when we choose to serve Jesus, the same thing happens. When we slow down, when we take a second and we don't rush out of that moment, we grow in intimacy. And so 
With this, to move from a believer to a disciple, we must serve with a heart of humility and sacrifice. Jesus says this himself. In Matthew 20, verses 26 through 28, it says, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you but to ser- must become your slave. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others. And he gave his life as ransom for many. Some context to this as well was the mother of James and John had just asked Jesus if her sons could sit at his left and right at the throne. And we won't get into the whole context of that, but the disciples hear this and they immediately go, what? No, I want to sit at the right. I want to sit at the left. And Jesus corrects them immediately. And he says, if you want to be my servant, you must be last. If you are only thinking about yourself, then you have it wrong. You must be last in order to become first. And so with this, Dennis says in his book, believers may sing praise songs and quote scriptures, but their hearts are still like the people disputing over who will be the greatest. They're driven by ambition to have more prestige, power, and possessions. Disciples are thrilled and amazed that Jesus has served them to the point of death on the cross. So let me ask you something. Do you wanna serve Jesus to the point that you are so amazed for what he did for you on the cross? Because that's what I wanna do in my life. If I'm being honest, this is an area I can work on. I am always trying to lay down my desires to be a servant of Jesus because serving him is the greatest honor we have on this earth. And so with this, Dennis also talks about three people that are in, um, that are normally in the church. And I'm gonna invite three of our interns up so we can show you guys a little bit of an illustration. And so with this, three of the people that often come to the church are the visitor, the renter, and the owner. And so oftentimes within the church, we have the visitor. This is someone who might spectate. This is someone who looks at what's going on and they might critique, but they never actually take the time to step in and serve. Then we have the, we have the renter who can also be called the consumer. They consume until their need, while their needs are met, but the second their needs are met, they often leave the church. And then with this, we have the servant who is also known as the owner and the disciple of Jesus. And this person, they devote their time. They pray for the pastors, they tithe, and it's all about humbling themselves before Jesus Christ. And so with this, I just wanna challenge you. Which one are you? We're not shaming you if you're the first two. We're just asking you to take a step today to become the disciple and the servant of Jesus, to not just come in this place and spectate or consume, but to actually take the time to get on your knees and do the work of Jesus. Because when you do the work of Jesus, you show people the love of Christ. If you knew that by scrubbing a toilet, someone was gonna come to know Jesus, would that change your perspective? If you knew that greeting someone at the door who's never seen a smiling face would come to know Jesus that day, would it change your perspective when you walk into this church? So with this, I just have one more challenge. I have never met a disciple of Jesus who wasn't a servant in the local church. So today, take that step of faith and become a servant in this house. As Pastor Drake comes up, can we give our amazing interns a round of applause? Come on. We have amazing interns. Pastor Kelly, thanks for kicking us off. Hey, as we continue on with this message about having the heart of a servant, I just want to say this. You're not here by accident this morning. We're not talking about methods and strategies and, and programs. I'm ta- we're talking about the heart, your heart, 
sitting in the chair right now that you're sitting in. All serving has everything to do with the heart of the person. And that's what we're talking about. See, when I was writing this message and all the points I'm about to uh, preach and communicate, in between every point I was writing, I was actually getting up and, and running to go get diapers, wipes, and all this stuff because I, my wife and I, we just had a newborn baby a week and a half ago. And her name's Nora. She's the cutest thing on planet earth. And uh, I, so I'm writing this message on serving and in between every point as I'm writing it, I'm being called to stop my train of thought, go get diapers and, and lotion and all this stuff. Things I don't even know what I'm holding. I'm like, what is this? How, what did we even do with this? You know, and I'm serving. And I just thought it was so ironic that I'm writing a message on serving. And in this week and a half, I've been challenged the most in my life about what it means to serve. I literally started laughing. And just having a child for one week has already challenged me so much that I need to grow as a servant. Two things, two things that's challenged me to be a servant, just having a little girl for one and a half weeks. I understand my responsibility and I understand what's at stake. I want you to put up a picture of Nora Grace. Look at that. It's like the beanie baby with big eyes, you know, she's beautiful. And so here's what I, talking about the responsibility and the, what's at stake. When I hold my little girl in the last week and a half, I've realized this, it's my responsibility to take care of her. Not your, it's mine. I have the responsibility to protect her, love her, serve her, take care of her. Even when she does it, she's crying for food. She can't get food. I have to serve her and go get it for her. She's in need. It's my responsibility and the second thing is, as I'm holding my little girl, I realize what's at stake. If I don't serve, my little girl dies. How many of us as Christians have been called to hold those in need, to care for them and to serve them, but we forget our responsibility of following Christ and we forget what's at stake. And little do we know they're dying in our arms because we're not willing to serve. What if we started serving and understanding our responsibility and what's at stake, that people's lives are at stake. And so if we're willing to serve, lives can be changed for eternity. I don't know about you, but that should get you excited. It should get you passionate for a motive behind your serving. It can be for the change of people's lives. These two reasons are why most people don't serve because they struggle to understand your, their responsibility to Jesus and what's at stake. So the question right now that might be arising in your heart is, okay, I understand what serving is and what the heart of a servant looks like. Okay, I, I, I understand what, I understand why, but how? What does this look like? What does this look like in my life? Well, I believe this. I believe we can talk all about strategy of what it looks like. I can go through practice of how to serve, but I believe this, the best way of teaching often comes through example. I would rather, instead of giving 10 principles on why you should make your bed, I would be like, hey, let me show you how to make your bed. And in the same way, throughout scripture, we have so many examples, not practice. Okay, here's step one of serving. No, examples, stories where people literally show us what it looks like to serve. And so there's two examples and there's two areas when you say, well, how do I serve? Well, you have to know whom you, you're serving first. Then you need to know how. It comes down, it, look, it's not complicated. It's actually really simple when it comes to following Jesus. Ready? You serve Christ with everything you have and you serve others with everything you have. That's simple. Who? Jesus and every single person. First example of serving Christ with everything 
that somebody has, we see in Matthew 26. It's a woman named Mary. She's a sister of Lazarus who was raised to life by Jesus. And we look at 26, days with, be, before Jesus is about to be crucified, and he's in a home. And we look at Matthew 26, 6 through 9, uh, 13. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to him, why are you bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured out this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Context to this scripture is that Jesus is in the home with a man that most likely he healed. He was a leper, now he's healed. He's with his disciples, reclining at the table. It's a whole bunch of men in the room, and in comes Mary. Now in this time, for a woman to walk into the room and interrupt a conversation, it's kind of, whoa, that's kind of stepping out of line there. She steps in. She's willing to sacrifice her reputation. She's willing to sacrifice an expensive jar of perfume, which most likely could have been years and years of wages, almost her entire savings, it could have been worth that much. She risks her reputation. She risks her financial security. She risks what people, th and she gives everything to Jesus. It's the context. It was outrageous. It was shocking. It was reckless. And our service to Jesus should look the same to other people. Believers may say, this next phrase I'm about to say, there's, there's a few misunderstandings I believe we have sometimes as believers when it comes to serving Christ with everything we have. And one of them is this. Believers may say it's a waste, but a disciple understands that it's a beautiful thing. See, what they call waste, Jesus calls a beautiful thing. Even if she did not understand what she was doing in that moment, I, be, I truly believe that in that moment, she challenged the disciples more than ever. They said, oh, why this waste? Why are you pouring all of this valuable, like all the money, all what this can do, all the, all the things that this can bring value to? You're pouring it on, what, what a waste. We could be doing it to other. And she's like, no, no, you're missing it. It's not a waste because it's for me because I'm about to give you everything. She's, she's giving me everything. How often do we do that too though? hey, go pick that person up that's 40 minutes away who has no ride. What a waste. With that 40 minutes, I could go do this, this, this. Hey, why don't you hang out with this person? Today? What a waste. I only get two days off. I want to be with friends. I just, I need a time to relax. What a, that would be a waste. Oh, I'm going to grab coffee with that person. Ah, oh, they just don't get it. What a waste. It's probably, and Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't get it. That 40 minute drive. That time hanging out with that person, you usually don't hang out. That 20, 30 minute, 45 minute coffee with that person, you're like, how oh, we don't, it's a beautiful thing. It's not a waste. Because when you pour it out to me, I'm going to do something beautiful with it. And little did they know that she was preparing him for his burial that was going to be a death that was then going to be resurrected and save all of humanity. He was like, no, no, she's setting up the greatest act ever, the resurrection of the dead. You're missing it. Her act of service is setting me up to serve all of humanity by dying on the cross and saving every one of you. And the disciples are sitting there going, what a waste. She's like, no, no, you got it all wrong. And the second 
misunderstanding is believers may think, well, why, why would I? Why should I give everything to Jesus and serve him? Well, let me ask you a question. Have you seen Jesus raise dead things alive in your own personal life? Because if you have, that, that phrase, that question, well, why should I? It shouldn't even be in your vocabulary. This woman, Mary, Watch Jesus raise her dead brother back to life. I don't know about you, but when you see somebody of your family raised to life, the only natural response is, how can I serve you with everything you got? I got a jar of perfume. It's about everything I got, but you raised my brother from the dead, so let me give you everything. But we say, why should I? If you're asking that question, here's a challenging thought. Maybe you haven't experienced the true servant, Jesus. Maybe you need to personally experience him for yourself. Maybe there's dead things in your life that are still dead. Maybe there's addictions. Maybe there's shame. Maybe there's guilt. Maybe there's things in your life that you're like, man, I just, why should I? And Jesus is like, well, let me bring these dead things alive in your life. Let me remove the shame, remove the addiction, remove the guilt. Let me make you come alive because if you come alive, then you'll understand. You'll understand why you should serve me because I've served you and when we understand that Jesus has brought things to life in our lives the natural posture that happens is an understanding of how great he is and how unworthy we and just Jesus how can I get I have this jar I have all I have my fantasy I have my time what can I offer you I'll give everything the third thing believers may think is I can do it partially. Oh, I can serve Jesus partially. Or another way of saying is, well, what, how much do I have to do? Like, what's enough? Okay, like, you're telling me I should go love people. Okay, what's enough? I'll, I'll say hi to somebody I don't like. Oh, there we go. Cool, serving Jesus. Let's go, you know? We think, we have a misunderstanding of, oh, I can serve Jesus by doing it partially. But there was nothing partial about what Mary did that day. She didn't give part of, the, she poured it all out onto the head of Jesus. She gave everything. And then we see this phrase. Jesus says, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial to her. What could she have done that was so impactful that Jesus says, wherever this gospel that I'm about to do, whatever the good news about me being dead, but then being raised to life and offering salvation to anyone who follows me, wherever that's preached, she's going to be remembered. Why? We just heard in communion this morning. Jesus poured out the perfume. Jesus poured out his blood, all of it onto the ground. So all of us can be prepared for our burial and be raised to life. And in this moment, there's this exchange. He's like, no, no, no. The reason this is going to be remembered is because what she is doing is the epitome and the essence of the gospel that's going to be preached. What is the gospel? What she's doing well, what do you mean? She's giving me everything she has. She's risking her reputation, her financial security. She's giving me everything. Do you want to know how to receive everything I have from you from heaven? By giving me everything. And in that exchange, the gospel is unlocked and life is given. She was a perfect example of the gospel on display through serving everything to Jesus. I want to give a shout out right now. Nick Hansen, can you stand up? Antoinette, are you here? Can you stand up? Dominic, can you stand up? Matt Boyce, can you stand up? Colette, can you stand up? 
hey, no, a louder applause, because here's the deal. I, I want to honor you guys. I want to honor you. Matt, Nick, Colette, Dominic, Antoinette, back there. You guys are an example to me of what it looks like to serve Jesus with everything, and I'm challenged by you every day. Never complain. You, just like her, give everything. You've challenged me to be an example of the gospel by serving. And I want to thank you guys. So can we give another round of applause? I love you guys. How do I serve? You serve Jesus with everything you got. Everything you have. Time, money, relationships, hobbies, talents, conversations. Everything you have Physically, you have. Inwardly, you have. In your mind, offer it to Jesus. Pour it out and say, not mine anymore. Jesus, do what you want with what I have. That's how you serve Jesus with everything you have. And the second thing is serving others with everything you have. Now see, Jesus, right before he was betrayed and crucified, was sitting at, the ta at a table with his disciples and they were sharing a meal together. And he washes their feet. And in John 13, 14 through 15, he says this. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Do you wash other people's feet? And I'm not talking like literally washing people's feet. I know some of, who's afraid of feet in here? Some people are afraid of feet. Kind of nasty, right? I get it but do you wash people's feet? What, what does that mean? What does that represent? Jesus was willing to get eye level with the dirt of those he followed, that followed him. He got eye level with a foot that in those days, they're walking around in dust. They have sandals on. It's dirty. He was willing to get eye level with the dirt and other people's lives. And he was willing to say, I don't care about the dirt. Let me clean it. What can I do for you? How can I help you? Are you willing? Are you humble enough? Do you understand your responsibility? Do you understand what's at stake to the point that you'd be willing to get eye level with dirt in other people's lives and serve them and wash their feet? What's the dirt? Well, a lot of times we're not willing to get down on eye level and serve people because they got dirt and that dirt might be a difference between us. Ah, you're just different. I just, we just don't click. I, I don't know. That dirt might be Something they've done in the past that's caused bitterness to rise in your heart. That dirt might be regrets. It might be sin. It might be shame. But here's the deal. In that moment, Jesus was saying, no, 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 no. If you can't get eye level with the dirt, then you're missing the whole point because I'm getting eye level with the dirt in all of your lives, in my life, and I'm willing to wash it. I'm willing to take your sin, take your pain, take your regrets, take your shame. I'm willing to wash it and make you clean through serving you. By what? By dying on a cross and being raised to life. You have no idea I'm about to get eye level with your dirt. I'm about to wash you clean. You better do the same thing as I've done for you, Jesus says. So are you letting dirt get in between the way of you serving others? Are you willing to get eye level with it, confront it, get real with it and say, you know what? I don't care about the dirt. Let's wash this thing we got going on. Let's wash it clean. Let's, let's, let's come back into unity. Let me love you. What's your needs? How can I serve you? Believers want to protect their privacy and their time, but disciples understand that God has put them in relationships for a reason. They are more concerned about the needs of others than their own convenience. Pastor Kelly asked, 
Do you use your busyness to excuse, to make an excuse or to avoid serving others? I just gotta be real. I do. I gotta, I gotta confess that, repent of that. I use my own busyness as a roadblock sometimes of serving people, getting eye level with dirt, giving Jesus everything I have. Serving others is probably the greatest tool to open the hearts of people to Jesus. How are you doing at having the heart of a servant? I want to close with a story. Any Starbucks, Starbucks fans in here? Yeah? Caribou people? We'll pray for you. Starbucks, right down the road, getting my nitro cold brew with a little bit of sweet cream. Little bit of sweet cream. Can't pour all that in there because then it gets all milky. It's kind of gross, you know? So it's like a little bit of sweet cream and all of a sudden, you know, I get it in the drive-thru line. I'm, I'm going. I'm all caffeined up. I'll pull out of the drive-thru. I see this man sitting on a corner. I'm like, that's weird. Who sits on a corner of Starbucks over by Crosstown by this Optimability? That's weird. I just keep driving. And I feel it in my spirit. You know what I'm talking about? That whisper, go back. Talk to him. What? I got to get home to my wife. I got to go home. She's making dinner. Probably going to be this, you know, uh, quinoa with uh, some sweet potatoes and all this stuff. I'm like, I'm ready for it. You know, I don't want to go go back. Okay. Turn around. I pull up, roll down the window. Hey, what's your name? We start talking. He's like, I'm like, Hey, what, what's the deal? What, what are you doing? He's like, ah, you know, I'm all good. You know, I'm like, no, what, what, what do you need? He's like, I, I actually don't have a ride. I live all the way in Chaska. It's like 25 minutes away. I don't know what to do. I'm like, get in the car. I'll, I'll take you. He's like, what? I'm like, I swear I won't kill you. Just get in the car. Okay. <laughs> And he gets in and we start driving and we're just talking and we pull out of the parking lot. We turn through the light and he looks at me and he kind of gets a little teary eyed. Like, I'm kind of like, oh no, what's this guy about to, like, he's about to go crazy on me, you know? And he just goes, why are you doing this? And it hit me. I'm like, I'm a disciple of Jesus. How can I not serve you if he's served me with everything he's got? You know? And he looks at me, he's like, whoa. I've never thought about it like that. Well, we end up starting talking. Sh- I share the whole gospel with him, talking about my testimony, talking about what Jesus has done with me, that he washed my feet. He wiped my heart clean. He changed me and transformed me. I'm talking about this with him in the car, and he's getting all stirred up. I can see it. We pull up to the house, and he looks at me, he's like, thank you so much. That, man, I really believe that day he took a step closer to Jesus. But if I wasn't willing to be a servant and consider his needs before mine, consider my convenience and opportunity, if I wasn't willing to be a servant, he wouldn't have taken a, taken a step closer to the t- most true servant, the one who's paved the way, an example for us. Are you willing to do anything and everything to serve Jesus and to serve people? If you do, our city's gonna change. Our world's going to change. I'm believing in a church that's willing to lay down their conveniences and their, and their plans and their to-do lists to love people so much that people start saying to River Valley Church, why are you doing this? What's, why are you doing this for me? And we can say, it's all because of one person. It's Jesus. I'm believing that Jesus is going to change our city, the streets, our schools, and it starts with serving. So I'm going to close. That's the question. Do you have the heart of a servant? How are you doing with that? I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite Pastor Anthony to come up as, as we close. So would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, 
I pray across this place that you'd stir us up to be like you and to serve people. God, I pray we'd be willing to repent if we've been struggling to be a servant. Would we repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I need to be a better servant. Whatever we're holding on to, I pray that we'd let it go. That we'd walk out these doors today, changed and transformed to be a little bit more like you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. And everybody said, amen and amen.